praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome to the Bible class today. Today, we're going to be studying faith and victory. Hallelujah. And I want you to understand when we go into this, uh, in all that is said and done, in all that the Holy Spirit will bring out to us as we study this, the cross is the surety of victory for the child of God. In other words, the absolute requirement for victory is that our faith be placed in the proper object, which we understand is not things that we do, but rather what Jesus has done at the cross when He shed His blood for you and me. And with our faith in the correct and proper object, a whole new world of spiritual reality opens up to the child of God. And we hope to bring this forth to you today. Um, faith is a requirement over and above everything else. Let's turn in our Bibles, first of all, this morning to 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 4 and read what the scripture says. And for our studies today I'm going to primarily be reading from the New King James Version. Uh, if you have something different there that's okay. You can follow along um, with us the best you can. 1 John 5, 4, here's what the scripture says. For, what's, for whatever is born of God, whatever is born of God, overcomes the world. That's just that simple. And yet, and yet we know how not simple it can be at times, but whatever is born of God overcomes the world. It doesn't say whatever is born of God looks just like the world. It doesn't say whatever is born of God acts just like the world. It doesn't say whatever is born of God will continue to lose their temper just like the world loses its temper. It doesn't say that whatever is born of God will shun whoever isn't born of God. It doesn't say whatever is born of God, they will not look like the world, talk like the world, act like the world. What will they do? They will overcome the world. Hallelujah. And this is the victory. Now there's my subject for our study today. Simple. The victory. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Say that right wherever you are today. Our faith. It is faith and it is faith in the proper object that causes you and I to be world overcomers. Praise God. And you know what? If you go on over and read the book of Revelation, countless times Jesus is saying in that book, to the overcomer will I give. To the overcomer will I grant. To the overcomer will I do for, will I bless. We, as Christians followers of Christ, we are called to be overcomers. And not only are we just called to be overcomers, if that's all it was, that would be one thing. But not only are we just called to be overcomers, we are here in 1 John 5 and 4 declared to be overcomers. Hallelujah. So God didn't just call us to be he also declared us to be overcomers. Praise God. Heavenly Father, as we endeavor to teach this class today, Lord God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would anoint us. We ask that the Holy Spirit would permeate this atmosphere, would reach out into the hearts, into the lives of our friends and our partners and our listeners today, Lord God, and reveal Jesus to us in a fresh way. And Father, we ask that you would receive all the praise and all the glory for it. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. It seems to me, uh, as I travel and preach in churches across the nation, as I meet Christians across the nation, 
as I interact with Christians even around the world in some of the various outreaches that we have, it seems to me that so many today have a real misconception of the word faith. It seems that many believe that if a person has faith, if one is a Christian, and they understand the part, most of them do, that you get to be a Christian by faith, but then they misunderstand faith and they think it means you won't have any more troubles. Some do. Not all, thank God. Many think that once you get to be a Christian, you won't have any more difficulties along life's way. Many believe that if you have faith, and if you have victory, your life will be smooth sailing. But that is not the faith, and that is not the victory that the Scripture teaches. Faith means having trust, having assurance, having confidence in another person. And in this case, it's God. We have faith in God. We have faith in Jesus Christ. Faith is the keynote of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Faith means total dependence upon Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with circumstances, trials, tests, troubles, or difficulties. But even, beloved, in the midst of those things, you and I are to have faith. In the midst of the trouble, trust God. In the midst of the adversity, trust God. In the midst of the pain and the heartache and the grief and the woe, trust God. That is faith. And that is victory. What did 1 John 5, 4 tell us? It says, this is the victory. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Let me give you a little, let me see if I can paint you a little word picture of that. The headlines in the newspapers are black. Hope does not seem to loom on a near horizon. Gas prices soaring through the roof. Many today in the Christian world that doesn't have health insurance cannot put food on the table, cannot pay the light bill. The economy is squeezing, squeezing, and the mind and the heart becomes worried and wearied under the pressures of daily life. Many today find themselves in these gargantuan struggles to just live life. The life they lived a decade ago is no longer available to them today. Many have lost jobs. For some it's not financial. For some it's children as they have strayed away from the paths of the Lord. And the parent's heart that breaks and agonizes over it. For others, it's sickness in the physical body that drains one of their strength and their vitality. And it's harder and harder and harder to face life for some. Whatever the problem might be, you see, my friend, the world and people in the world face those same problems. And many who are in the world, when those troubles begin to come, they begin to fall to pieces. Some of them even check out on life. They become worried and, and sorrowful. The expression on their face betrays the hopelessness that's in their hearts. But as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, the Bible says in 1 John 5, 4, this is the victory that overcomes the world. This is what makes us face the crises and the challenges of life differently than the world faces it. The, the stock market may crash, but you got a little smile. The world may shake and tremble, but you got a little smile on your face. You have joy in your heart. 
The doctor might say there's nothing more that I can do, but you've got a little bit of joy bubbling up out of you, coming out a smile on your face. You've got the joy of the Lord. The bank account may read double zero, but you've got a joy in your heart that the world didn't give you and the world can't take it away, praise God. And it's because you have the victory. And the victory does not mean plenty of money in your bank account. The victory does not mean... Hallelujah. The victory does not mean that all will be smooth sailing and no problems and no difficulties. The victory that causes you to react to things differently than the world reacts is your faith. Your faith in Christ and Him crucified. That's the victory. That's the victory. And you can have that victory if you're in a dungeon. You can have that victory if you're in a hospital bed. You can have that victory if you're in the unemployment line. You can have that victory no matter what your circumstances because the victory has nothing to do with circumstances. The victory is a person and His name is Jesus and what He did at the cross. Glory to God and the Lamb forever. It's who Jesus is and what Jesus did at the cross. That is your victory. Praise the Lord forever. So the victory is not related. See? Not related to the circumstances of life that you and I might find ourselves in. Let's look at 1 John 4, 4. One verse above the one we opened with. Actually, I'm going to read them both. I'm sorry, we were in chapter 5. <clears throat> we're, we're in a totally different chapter here. 1 John 4, 4. Here's what the Scripture says. Here's what the Scripture says. I turn to it. This is a new Bible, so it takes me just a minute. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. God is greater. A simple little concept, a simple little thought, three words God is greater. God is greater than everything I would face. God is greater than anything the world, the flesh, and the devil can throw at me. God is greater. God is greater than every financial challenge that I will face uh, in, in my life. God is greater. God's greater than any health challenge. God's greater than any socioeconomic challenge. God is greater than any education challenge. God is greater. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. I don't have to walk around with my heart full of fear and a frown on my face. Greater is He that is in me. Who is that? God. Hallelujah. Now let's read our starting scripture again, our beginning text. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Because God is greater, because my faith is in what Jesus did at the cross, I'm a world overcomer. Doesn't mean I won't have the same problems that the world has. But see, when God looks at victory, and when God looks at faith, He looks at it like this. And he, Of course, we can't tell you all about how God looks at it, but He looks at victory like this. He sees my beginning. He sees my ending. He, God sees me in all of eternity. He knows what His plan is for me, for all of time and for all of eternity. He knows what the outcomes are going to be. He knows where He's going to place me and what He's going to have me doing for Him. I only basically see most of yesterday, a little, some of today, and possibly a little bit of tomorrow. That's all I can see. But God sees the whole picture. I may know that. God sees the whole picture from start to finish and He calls it overcomer. He calls it victorious. See, you know what? If you'll take the time to read Fox's Book of Martyrs, I want you to know that every martyr 
listed in that book and all the, all the multitudes of millions of martyrs that are not listed in that book but have lived throughout the centuries, every single one of those were victorious because they had Jesus. And Jesus is the victory. They were victorious, not because they lived a long life, not because some mighty thing happened at the last minute and they were delivered from the sentence of an unjust court. No. They were victorious. They had the victory because they had Jesus. And that's where you and I need to get in our thinking today. The victory of the cross is our victory. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Colossians chapter 2. Verse 15. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Let's read what the Scripture tells us. The cross of Jesus Christ is our victory today. And when we focus on that thought, when that becomes a vital part of our life and we cannot be shaken off of it, you will see God do mighty things in your life, things that you never thought were possible. Here it is. Um... Let's actually start reading with the 13th verse. And you, this is Colossians 2.13, you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespass. Praise God, all of them. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. There it is, there it is, right there. Having disarmed <clears throat> principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And the it there is the cross. So Jesus did all of this spiritual warfare for us. I mean, He disarmed the principalities and powers. He defeated Satan. He broke the stranglehold grip that the law had over humanity. Not that the law was a bad thing, and, and we're not teaching on that today. The law was a good thing, but no man could keep it. Jesus kept it. Jesus was our representative man. He was our substitute. He shed pure sinless blood upon the cross to not only wash our sins away, but to break the power of the sin nature over our lives so that daily we can walk in, here it is, the victory. <clears throat> We can literally walk in Christ on a daily basis because of what Jesus did at the cross. And He did it all for us. And not only was the victory at the cross, but Jesus Christ rose from the dead in victory. Hallelujah. Not only did He die on a cross, thank God, thank God, the cross is the foundation, but He didn't stay there. He rose from the dead in victory. Let's read Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. <clears throat> Ephesians 1, 18 through 23. I'll give you a second to get there. Here's what it says. Again, let's start with the 17th verse. I must have wrote these numbers down a little wrong here. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, <clears throat> may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The knowledge of Jesus. Hallelujah. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling. Hallelujah. What are the riches what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? Now notice that. The mighty power of Almighty God. And brother, sister, 
that encompasses everything that you or I would ever need in this life and in the life to come. The power of Almighty God is toward usward who believe. Glory to God. I don't know about you, but that charges my batteries. Believe. It's the power of faith. It is the victory. What is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power? Notice how many times here it says His, meaning Christ Jesus, meaning God. It doesn't say that this victory in the Christian life is according to my power. It doesn't say that victory in the Christian life is according to your power. It doesn't say that the victory of the Christian life is according to your preacher's power or your favorite evangelist or your television guru. It says that all of it, the wisdom, the knowledge, the revelation, the mighty power of God, all of it, the salvation, the sanctification, the Holy Ghost, all of it, is according to His working and His power. Hallelujah! L ladies and gentlemen, you've just got to understand and realize that this thing is all of God and none of me. This thing is all... Well, what thing? This Christian life, the, the daily life of the child of God is all of God and none of us. Hallelujah! Oh yes, there are things that we have to do uh, in the sense of, you know, agreement with God, obedience to the Lord, etc., etc. You've heard me preach on that many, many, many times. But everything, everything, everything initiates with God. You could not have gotten saved had not God initiated it first. No man calls Jesus Lord but by the Holy Ghost. You follow me? Christ rose in victory. He died on the cross in victory. He rose in victory. Let's keep reading here. What is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He, God, worked. Notice the word. He worked. He worked in Christ. Doesn't say I work. Doesn't say you worked. Doesn't say you were good enough to be saved. There's a lot of people in the church today that are telling people all the time, well, get yourself cleaned up and come on down to the altar and God will have you. No, 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 no. You can't clean yourself up. You can't make it right with the Lord. It's impossible for you or I to do that. The Holy Spirit has to do it. The Scripture says God worked. God worked in Christ. Now if you'll, if you'll catch this, if you'll catch this, hallelujah, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. Now this, this is worked in Christ in the resurrection, and He seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. Glory be to God. And if you and I are in Christ, then we are seated in the heavenly places in Christ. Amen. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And He, God, put all things under His, Jesus' feet, and gave Jesus to be the head over all things to the church. That's you and me. Which is His body. That's you and me. The fullness of Him. Jesus wants to infuse His church. Jesus wants to infuse His body with the fullness of all that He is and all that He possesses. Hallelujah. Now you'll, you'll, you'll read over there in, in uh, 1 Corinthians, I think it is, where Paul said, you know, I, want, I wanted to give you more of this, but you too carnal. So our activities 
and our mindsets and our carnality can hinder this sanctification process. And the process is all of God and none of us. And it's God who works in Christ through the Holy Spirit in this sanctification of the believer. But my refusal to obey a direct a direction from God or my, uh, my catering to the flesh can hinder what God wants to do as far as my sanctification is concerned. So we do have a part to play. But again, the initiation of everything, 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 is with God. So, we see first of all today that the victory, the victory, is Jesus. And more specifically, it's who Jesus is, and what Jesus did at the cross. And what Jesus did in the resurrection. And also, we want to know today, that we share his victory. We too, you and I, were raised in Christ and are now seated in Christ at the right hand of God in the same position of victory as He is. Hallelujah. You follow me? Now, now understand though, let's go back before we look at a scripture here. Let's go back and define that word victory once again. Okay? Victory does not mean no problems. Victory does not mean no troubles, no trials. So when we say that we're seated at the right hand of Christ, let's go to Ephesians 2 6 and read this. Uh, when we say that we're seated at the right hand of God in Christ, that doesn't mean that we're now immune to what's going on in the world around us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Here's what it says. Um, well, let's start with the fourth verse. But God who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespass, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I like that word together. Because not only, you know, a lot of preachers miss this right here. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you right now. There's a whole lot of Lone Rangers out there today. But listen, not only is this a, a, an individual seating in the heavenly places with Christ, but it is a corporate seating. The body of Christ is seated at the heavenly places in Christ. And there are functions of the Holy Spirit. Hear me now. There are movings, there are functions, there are administrations, there are operations of the Holy Spirit that cannot simply be done in one person alone. It has to be in a corporate setting, a corporate environment. The body of Christ needs one another. Hallelujah. Let's read that verse again, just the sixteenth, or just the sixth verse. And raised us plural up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now that is individually. We have an individual walk with God and we need an individual victory in the Lord. We need to have individual faith. We need to have an individual Bible study life and prayer life and uh, going to church life, etc. and so forth. And then there is a corporate anointing, if you will. There is a corporate placing in Christ also. And we need to not undervalue that. We need to not undervalue the corporate anointing that God wants us to experience as believers together in Christ. So, not only is the victory at the cross, not only is the victory in the resurrection, but we share that victory. God's raised us up, hallelujah, placed us in Christ. We are seated at God's right hand. And in the scripture, God's right hand represents His power and His salvation. Turn with me please to the book of Psalms. Psalm number 20. 
Psalm number 20, real quick, real quick. And let's read uh, here. Uh, let's read the sixth verse. Psalm 20, verse 6, here's what it says. Now I know that the Lord saves His anointed. Woo! Glory to God. The Lord, I know it. I'm not just hoping. I'm not just wishing maybe so, but I know that God saves His anointed. He will answer Him from His holy heaven with the saving strength of His right hand. So the right hand here is power. Let me tell you something, Christian. Let me tell you something, dearly beloved, today. I don't know what you're going through, and it really doesn't matter the circumstance of life that you find yourself in today. I want to tell you something. God has all the power you need to deliver you from every sin, to break that sin's power off your life, to set you on the, the, the road to the victory because of the faith. Hallelujah. God has all, there's a song that says, God has all the power you need. And He does. And there's nothing that has you bound that needs to keep you in bondage. If you'll place your faith in what Jesus did for you at the cross today, neighbor, you can be free. You can be free from anything. Let me say it the way I heard Brother Larson say it one time. I love this. I love this. I love this. <clears throat> Anybody Anybody, the worst of the worst, anybody, can be saved from anything, can be delivered from anything at any time because of the cross, because of what Jesus did there 2,000 years ago, and that event in that distant past is still having action today in the hearts and lives of believers everywhere. You know, the, 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 the cross, what Jesus did there is still saving souls 2,000 years later. And then, it's still delivering Christians 2,000 years later. And it will continue to do so up until the time Jesus comes. Hallelujah. So we have to have it in our mind. We are seated at the right hand of power in Christ. Now listen. Not in yourself. The very moment that you or I take our eyes off of Christ and place it on self, whether it's self-ability or self-effort or self-exalting or self-aggrandizement, the minute we take our eyes off of Jesus, the minute we take our eyes off of the victory and place it on ourselves in any capacity, we are no longer walking in our position of in Christ. We are now walking in a position of in flesh. Now we haven't lost we haven't lost our standing of in Christ before God. We are saved. And let me say it this way, and hopefully you can understand what I'm trying to say. In, in reality, we are still victorious as far as state, our standing goes, but our state, we're walking in the flesh if our eyes are not on Jesus and what He did at the cross. Let me say it another way, because it got a little bit confusing there, and I tripped over my tongue. Some days it just bees that way. You know, you trip over your tongue. You try not to do it. You try not to, but it just happens. Let me say it this way. Our position in Christ is saved, sanctified, delivered, victorious, overcomer. That's our position. But sometimes that's not our condition as we live out our daily lives. It depends what the object of our faith is. And it depends on a few other little things that come up that, that we have to overcome as we go through. But we're not going to talk about that today. Because the first step in anything is to have the, the correct object of faith, and that is what Jesus did at the cross. The cross of Christ is the correct object for the believer's faith. When my faith is placed in the cross, I am walking my daily life 
what my, I'm walking out my daily life, my condition of what my position is, which I told you, saved, sanctified, healed, delivered, set free, blessed, glory to God, overcomer. But when I get my eyes on myself, or when I get my eyes on my church, or when I get my eyes on a ministry, or I get my eyes on a preacher, or I get my eyes on grandma, or I get my eyes on anything except what Jesus did at the cross, I begin to walk in the flesh. And I begin to not have victory, but rather defeat. Because I can't do it. Nothing man can do can defeat Satan in any capacity. And, not only that, self cannot improve upon self. So we've got to have Jesus. Amen. And we're seated at God's right hand in Christ. We no longer have to struggle with these problems on our own. We now learn, this is called the renewing of the mind, our minds are renewed to handle our problems and our difficulties from the perspective of God's throne. Now that's, that is a powerful mouthful. We look at life, we look at problems, we look at difficulties, we look at trials, we look at our futures. We look at faith. We look at the victory from God's perspective if we're in Christ. And our minds have to be renewed to do this. And you've heard me say this before. I, I want to make the statement again because I think this is an excellent place for it. The renewing of the mind is not just simply memorizing Scripture and filling our heads full of Bible information, but that is a part of it. We have to learn how to think as God thinks. And we have to see things from the perspective of God. And we need the Word to do that. So stop separating the message of the cross from the Word of God. Stop acting as if you don't need to, to work with the Scriptures. You can read them, and, and if you don't, that's okay too. That's the attitude that many have, but that's incorrect. There's still, no matter what preachers say, there's still power in this Word right here. There is still power in the Word of God. And you still need to learn it, read it, memorize it, and speak it. And speak it. Now, I'm not going to get into that today because I don't believe in the power of positive confession the way it's being taught in most circles today. But there is a power in speaking forth the words of God. There is a power to the Word of the Lord that we need in our heart and life. Now the renewing of the mind is done by the Holy Spirit because our faith is in what Jesus did at the cross. And at the cross, He provided for the renewal of the mind. So the Holy Spirit comes in and listen, He takes what I read. If I don't read it, He can't renew my mind with it. If I don't spend time studying the Word of the Lord, the Holy Spirit cannot renew my mind with the Word of the Lord. Oftentimes you'll find yourself in crisis situation. You'll find yourself in struggles that the Word you read yesterday isn't going to carry you through today. Just because you know it. Just because you've heard it. Just because you've read it once or twice or 50 or 100 times. You need to open that book up again today. And you need to get into the power of the Word of God. Not because you're earning any righteousness, and you're sure not going to earn your victory. You can't earn Christ Jesus, and He is the victory. But what you're doing is you're putting yourself in a position, you're giving the Holy Spirit, you're saying, hey, come on in here, and show me who you are from this book right here. And God will oftentimes, see, it's not so much the words that you or I speak, it's not so much the words that you or I read, but God the Holy Spirit will take us to a place, and God will speak a rhema into our hearts, and that will be powerful. Don't ever underestimate that. We have to learn to see things from the perspective of God's throne. Now listen. 
We don't preach the throne and we don't really preach the resurrection. We preach the cross. Because the cross guaranteed the resurrection and the cross was an extension of the throne. You follow me? In God's kingdom, there had to be a sacrifice. According to God's throne, there had to be a sacrifice. So we don't just simply preach the throne. You know, we're not like the word of faith people that walk, all, that run all over, just naming and claiming anything they want. Most of their wants are not even in the will of God for them, but they want it, so they claim it. They think it's anointed. They take God's word oftentimes and try to use it against Him. We're not talking about none of that. We don't preach the throne and the resurrection and forget about the cross. We preach the cross. And incorporated in the message of the cross is the resurrection and is the throne. And the Holy Spirit will renew the believer's mind to understand the true definitions of the word faith and victory. The true meaning of these words. Let's look in Philippians 4.13. We're getting ready to close. Philippians 4. And the 13th verse, we want to see here a moment. Um, we want to see victory worked out in our lives. What is this saying here? And a lot of people have misunderstood this scripture. So I want to spend a little bit of time with it as we close. Hallelujah. I'll give you a minute to get there. Philippians 4.13. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let me read that from the Amplified Bible. I have strength for all things. Now, I, I kind of like that translation right there. I have strength for all things because that's really what it means. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through Him who infuses inner strength into me. Now notice in that Amplified Translation, again, God is instigating everything. He gives us strength he makes us ready for all things in Christ. He makes us equal to those things in Christ in the sense of, listen, as a child of God, you don't ever have to run from the devil. You don't ever have to run from his demon spirits. You don't ever have to run from the circumstances of life. You can hold your head up high in Christ Jesus and meet the day, hallelujah, in the strength and the power of Christ if your faith is in Christ and not in yourself. Now the way this scripture is mostly used by many people, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, they dream up the all things. And they, then they try to pull God into it. That's not what the scripture means. You and I don't get to define all things. Remember, God instigates everything in the life of a Christian. So we can do what God gives us to do. We can handle what God puts on us to handle. We can rise to the level that God wants to take us. But we don't just sit back necessarily and decide the level. And see, that's another lie of the Word of Faith movement, is that they tell you to decide your destiny, decide your level, decide your place. No, 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 no. The, call, the gifts and the callings come from God, and they are without repentance. God is the one that gets to choose my destiny. God is the one that gets to choose my level. God is the one that gets to set me in my place in this life and in His plan for me. You follow me? So those things that are God's will 
and those things that God hath decreed concerning me, I can do all of that in Christ. Follow me? I can't do any of it in myself. I can't do any of it without Christ. You follow what I'm saying? So we have to look at this. We have to look at faith. And we have to look at victory from the perspective of God. And from what the Bible really teaches. And not the perversions that man has tried to put on these subjects. Okay? So, victory is not only ours when the difficulty is over. Victory is not only mine when the problem's solved. But look at this. The Christian's victory, the victory of the child of God, operates, first of all, in the midst of trouble. Turn to John 16.33. The Gospel of John, chapter 16, and verse 33. John 16.33. The Christian's victory doesn't just come when the difficulty's over, when the trouble's done. Okay, the Christian's victory operates in the midst of trouble. John 16.33 says, These things have I spoken to you that in me, in Jesus, hallelujah, you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Oh, glory to God. Now look at that. That's Jesus talking. And that means that Jesus... Jesus is the one speaking His Word into me and through me. Hallelujah. You following this? Jesus is the one. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our good cheer. Jesus is the overcomer and we are in Him so we are those things as well. Praise God. The Christian's victory operates in the midst of trouble. The Christian's victory also operates, number two, in the midst of trials. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter, hallelujah, chapter 1. Glory to God. You guys liking this today? Praise the Lord. I'm so thankful for Bible class. Verse 6 and 7. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be. Now look at there. You have been grieved or distressed by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we see... That victory doesn't mean no more trouble. The Christian's victory is in the midst of trouble. We see that victory doesn't mean no more trials. The Christian victory is in the midst of trials. And lastly, the Christian's victory is also in the midst of persecution. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 12. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 12. And let's see what the Word of God has to say. Verse uh, 9. This is Paul's thorn in the flesh. A demon spirit set to stir up trouble, to stir up persecution wherever Paul went. God said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you. You know that God's saying to you today, child of God, My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength, God is speaking. Hallelujah. Jesus is saying, My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, this is Paul speaking again, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And what he's really meaning is that Jesus came to him and said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. 
And Paul said, hey, if that's the case, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice that the Christian victory is in the midst of persecution and distress and trouble and trials. This is the proper definition of the victory. This is the correct definition of faith in the Word of God today. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's read one last scripture as we close. Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. Verse 35. Romans 8.35 Glory to God. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. See, this is what Paul meant when he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can make it. I can make it. I can make it through tribulation, through distress, through persecution, through famine, through nakedness, through peril, through sword. And I can make it in the good times when I'm on the mountaintop. In all things in Christ. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We are not conquerors in ourselves, but we are conquerors through Him who loved us. Gave Himself for us on the cross. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing, Everything that's created is under the subjugation of God. Remember that. None of this shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Child of God today, through this short Bible study, this short little Bible school class, Put your faith and your trust in Him today. What He did for you, what Jesus did for you at the cross. And whatever we have to face and deal with in these end times, He will give us the strength. Jesus will give us the power. Jesus will give us the strength. And never forget this, Jesus is the victory. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time with your people today. Lord God, I praise your holy name. I worship you today, God. And I ask that you take these words that we have spoken and drive them to our hearts like arrows of deliverance today, Lord, and set us free in Jesus' name today. And everybody would say, Amen and Amen.